happening everyone welcome to a brand new episode of total football club brought to you by the blue wire hustle network my name is alex perez it feels like i haven't done this in years even though you guys got a podcast last week which by the way thank you so much for the support uh my brother was incredible on camera and he wants to do this again so i'm pretty sure we're gonna do it again it was a lot of fun we really enjoyed it and we appreciate everyone that shared it everyone that liked the post that that commented it was so much fun we really enjoyed it but it's been two weeks from that so the power of scheduling right the power of scheduling you can follow us on twitter on facebook on instagram on tiktok yes on tiktok at total foot club tiktok is popping nowadays listen if you're not on tiktok even even without an account even without an account just go on tiktok and watch our videos that helps us a lot it goes a long way it also goes a long way if you subscribe on apple Podcasts, on spotify on google if you subscribe on youtube you leave a rating a review whatever the case may be it goes a long way and we definitely appreciate it you can follow me on twitter and on instagram at alex perez fc on the other side of this zoom call i wish this was face to face like it was a month ago but my friend we we make it work somehow, some way. Chris Suet on the other side of the Zoom call. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Thanks, uh, thanks for for bringing me back on here. <laughs> it does feel like it's been so long, it's, it, it, and, and it only it's only been like a couple weeks, but yeah, it feels like it's been forever. Um, yeah, man, I, I missed it, and and I can't wait to, to to talk to you about what we got going on today. Absolutely, man. A absolutely, absolutely, and well. We had to take a little bit of a break because of Thanksgiving and stuff like that. I know you were busy doing your own stuff last weekend. You were you were busy too. Um, I was out of town, so there was a lot of stuff going on. But we're back. We're back on track for a few weeks because Christmas is coming up, and and we know how how that goes. But before we start, Chris, your social media floor is yours, my friend. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my hashtag, is, my handle is. Uh, uh, Chris S O L O D O L O underscore. That's Chris Solo Dolo underscore. There we go. You haven't missed a beat. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> you love to hear it. All right, Chris, what'd you watch this week? Let us know. Oh man, I watched a banger, man. I, I, I it's funny because I, I, I was working as it was happening, and then I, I caught the end, and I was like, no, I gotta watch it all over again. It was Arsenal and Everton. Uh, if, if I don't know if you have if you guys got to watch this this match, but holy crap, it was it was so entertaining. Um, Arsenal are really playing well, even though they lost. Um, I think Arteta's really got them moving forward, where they they have a decent chance of winning most games that they play, and that's a really big difference from the Arsenal that started the year and the Arsenal we've come to come to know the last couple of years, but. Um, I think once they took out Kieran Tierney, that they, they really started to to get too open on the defensive side. And that's when that game really started getting wide open. 
Um, but it was a really, really entertaining game. Uh, Everton needed the, needed the result badly. Rafa, Rafa Benitez is a result, of, a result of two away from getting the boot. So it's really, uh, it's really important. Every, every match that they play right now is really important. Their, their director of football just walked out. It's just quit. Um, so I, I, I was watching to see if this was the game that Rafa Benitez uh, gets, gets put out of his misery. And sure enough, Everton came back and, you know, that's why they play the games, man. That's, this is why this league is so tough and so, uh, so respected because anyone can win at any, any moment. And Damari Gray is a player that, that got, got, I won't say he, he got booted out of the Bundesliga, but he, he was playing for uh, Bournemouth. They, no one really picked him up. He was he went to the to the Bundesliga after that. No one still picked him up, and he went to Everton on a on a minimal deal. And he's he's been playing out of his mind this year. So uh, that's their X factor. That's their key player. He's the one who embodies the team, and it it, it manifests itself on the pitch on on that on the um, it, it was an amazing game, a really great game. Yeah, uh, I'm going to piggyback a little bit on what you said about Demaray Gray. They spent a grand total of £2 million, Everton did this summer, on, on Gray. And he's probably been the best signing that the that club has had in the last, what, five seasons or so? He's been playing really well. And you said it best, he kind of embodies the whole team. He's that, he's that galvanizing guy. That I, I remember his performance against Aston Villa. Probably the second or third match day of the season at Villa Park. He he came out and, and he scored a really, really, really good goal. And Everton started off pretty well in the Premier League. And then they dropped off a little bit, but they got a big result. And I know that it was in the second half where they turned it around against Arsenal. I'll be honest with you, Chris. I didn't watch the game. I haven't watched Arsenal in months. I have not watched them in a while. But it looks like they're turning it around. What, let me ask you this. What do you think is the key for Arsenal turning it around these last few last few weeks, last few months maybe? It's really tough to say, man. I would say, I'll be really honest, part of it has to be that there's a plan in place that they're going to stick with Mikel Arteta and they're not going to just boot him out when things don't go the way they should. And I think that goes a long way because then you start to trust the, the manager and know, you know, he's not just going to be out the door when things go bad. I'm not going to be out the door when things go bad. So you get that togetherness. And I think that does go quite a bit because it, it does do a lot for these players and their psyche and their, and their mental, uh, the mental side of it. And that's the thing with Arsenal. They're a top club. They're a big six team. So that means that they're, they, they attract you know, premier talent. These guys, while they're not of the match, the men, the, the of the ilk of the Manchester Cities and and the Chelsea and the Bayern and Barcelona, Arsenal can still bring in really top quality guys. So the the thing that was missing with them since Wenger's last you know couple of years was that mentality. So I think. Having Arteta here, having it's what seems like the right manager in place and giving him the time and the freedom to work is really paying uh, paying dividends now. Um, 
they, 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 they haven't suffered many injuries. You know, they have a lot of consistency. And that's, that's really a good thing. Emil Smith-Rowe um, is really playing well. Uh, he wasn't on the, on the pitch during the second half of the game. But it, he, he is showing that there is life after Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Because um, Aubameyang hasn't been at, at his top form for a year or more now. So, yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot of variables at play. But it, it's a good little mix that they got going on over there. I'm not going to say they're going to win titles right now. But they're not going to get relegated, which is where we thought they might be when in the, 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 after the first opening weeks of the season. Guilty as charged, Your Honor. Uh, we did no, me too. mention me that. Too. Yeah, yeah, we mentioned <laughs> that in, in like late August, early September, when after they had got demolished by Manchester City. But it's, it's great. It's great to to see that Arsenal is back up there. They're in seventh place. I was checking the table. Uh, a few seconds ago and and they're in seventh place they have 23 points they can probably sneak into a fifth place in the table should they string two or three wins maybe a draw in there as long as they don't drop many points it's up for grabs it feels like the top three in the Premier League is kind of sealed we know it's going to be Liverpool uh, Manchester City and Chelsea not necessarily in that order it's going to get mixed up because this title race is wide open but Arsenal, maybe even Everton, who knows? This could be one of those results that all, all of a sudden sparks life back into the team because I know they had gone a few games, a good amount of games without winning Everton. So this is huge for Everton, and it's great for Arsenal to get back on track and to show that they are really backing Mikel Arteta, which we know a few months ago when we were having that chatter about, oh, they're going to get relegated. Some of it, a little bit of banter for sure, but... There definitely was a serious talk that maybe Mikel Arteta wasn't the guy for Arsenal. A lot of leaders of opinion were saying that Arteta should get the boot. And imagine if the people from Arsenal would have listened to to the pundits, to, to the leaders of opinion, quote-unquote. They would have had to start all over. Um, is there anything else you want to add about Everton and Arsenal and Premier League in that case? Uh, not at, not at the moment. No, just um, it 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 coincides with how what we were talking about with West Ham and David Moyes last mm -hmm. week. It's just some of these managers, if you give them time, they they'll come good. And they'll, they you need a decent project. You need you know you need you know upstairs to to, to back them. But these guys sometimes we write them off so fast. It's a hard business and. You know, it, it, it's hard not to be reactionary. All you got is wins, losses, and draws. But, um, yeah, sometimes we got to give these guys some patience. They deserve it. Absolutely. This is the ultimate result-based job. All right. Let's talk about Der Klassiker because that's what I watched. One of two things that I watched this weekend are two main, main things. Uh, Der Klassiker, the German the biggest rivalry in Germany, maybe after after Schalke and, oh, yeah. and Dortmund. I, I think that's that's very fair to say. And the biggest conclusion that I that I got from this game is that there are three things that are certain in life: death, taxes, and Bayern beating Dortmund. <laughs> Those are the three certainties in life. It was such an entertaining game from start to finish. 
such a frenetic pace back and forth, incredibly fast transitions. And it did feel for a moment that maybe Borussia Dortmund was going to pull it off. But then, as they do every single time that they play against Bayern, they beat themselves. They commit silly, silly mistakes. Two huge errors from Mats Hummels, who, I mean, he's, he's getting up there in age. And he made some very, very big mistakes. In that second goal, he left Rafael Guerrero for dead. And he, he was, I mean, all the only thing he could have really done to clear the ball was put his hands up. But obviously, he wasn't going to do that because he was going to get sent off. Uh, but there was two mistakes and a harsh, harsh, harsh penalty that gave Bayern Munich a victory. And that might sound like I'm discrediting Bayern Munich. I am not. I am not. This team is still one of the best in the world. And that almost goes without saying. They're one of the best teams in the world in possession. That team is absolutely incredible. Probably Manchester City's better. And you can even argue that. But in possession, this team is ridiculous. Every single one of their attacking players has such a silky smooth first touch. It is it is a joy to watch when, when Leroy Sané gets the ball. When Kingsley Coleman, Robert Lewandowski, as much as I might not be too fond of Robert Lewandowski, and a lot of people might, might might know about this. He's still a ridiculous player. He needs one opportunity, and he scores. I mean, he's 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 the epitome of the natural goal scorer. But I do think that defensively, this team does struggle a bit, and the reason why they struggle is because that that defensive line, and this is even from the days of of Hansi Flick, that that back four, they play really high up. They, they play almost in, in, in the middle of the park. And Manuel Neuer occupies that space where that back four should be. That's how high they play. So they are there for a counter. If you have fast attackers, fast wingers, and you have a number nine that can finish any opportunity that, that he gets, you can beat Bayern Munich. But now, not every team has fast wingers and a number nine that can just lethally finish off any opponent. Borussia Dortmund does have a number nine that, that can finish off any opportunity that he gets, but that wasn't enough. There, there was a lot more that, that went into it. But again, going back to Borussia Dortmund, they showed glimpses throughout the game, and it just felt like every time that they got close to winning, they were scared. And it feels, it feels like they suffer from a severe, severe, severe inferiority complex. It's it's massive, and it's kind of scary. And I see guys like Erling Holland, a world-class number nine. Maybe we, we're looking at one of the best number nines of all time in 10, 15 years. And I personally think that Erling Holland is being held back by Borussia Dortmund. He's being held back because now he's going to play in the Europa League. Because he's never beat Bayern Munich in a Bundesliga game. Because he's probably not going to win the Bundesliga title. It's probably locked up and sealed by Bayern, especially after this win. But it just feels like Erling Haaland is being held back because Borussia Dortmund isn't necessarily a winning team. They build players, and I'm sure Erling Haaland appreciates that. But Erling Haaland wants to win. And I don't think he's going to do much winning at Borussia Dortmund. Granted, this might be his last season, but he's being held back. 
What do you think about that? Uh, I think it's really fair to say that's a really uh, sound argument, man. I'm sitting here thinking, I, I don't think I've watched Borussia Dortmund too much since they sold Jaden Sancho. And it's such a shame. It's like every year they sell their, their top player or top players, usually to Bayern, but sometimes abroad. And, and I'm sure this year it'll be the same. And that's why they have that inferiority complex when they play against a big boy like Bayern Munich. Um, you can probably feel the difference in quality uh, out there. And, and it's tough, man. It's tough when you know like you're, you're the little brother. <laughs> like, it's tough to get over that, that, that mountain. Um, Erling Holland's definitely not uh, 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 kind of like varsity and junior varsity, right? He's mm-hmm. not a junior varsity player. So it's very evident that he's leaving. They, I've, I've read reports that they're trying desperately to move the release clause by one, move it over by one summer and, and double his salary so that he can stay one more year. If you're Erling Holland, you, you, I'm sorry, but money you're going to get anywhere you go. So I, I don't see why I stay there. They're not going to push for domestic titles. I mean, they, they might push for a cup, but you never, I mean, a player of his quality should really be, you know, trying to get them the major trophies now. So, yeah, I, I agree with that, honestly. I do think that he is getting held back now, staying there. I think he should have moved in the summer, and I think he should move as soon as he can because the shelf life for a footballer is small. Look at Jaden. I know Jaden Central now, he just scored for Man United and it's getting better. But you never know, man. You you get stuck in a situation that, that, that you don't want to be in. They change the manager and and then you start misfiring and, and things can, can change really quickly in this game. So I would try to take advantage of the moment. He's a, he's him and, He and Mbappe are probably the two most in-demand players in the world right now. So... They should both move and get their big money moves uh, completed while they can. Yeah, you said it best. The shelf life of a player is very, very short, and that goes for any sport. It really goes for any sport. And nowadays in football, a 23-year-old is considered old, right? A 23, 24-year-old is is considered old, 25. Mm-hmm. You're You're a fossil at that point, right? Especially if you haven't, if you haven't cracked it yet, if you haven't won anything major, if you haven't, if if you haven't made a big impact on a big club, by that age, 23, 24, 25, you're old. Erling Holland is 21, and you can tell that Borussia Dortmund is too small for him now because look at the amount of goals that he has scored. I don't know it off the top of my head, the the quantity. All I know is that he this season he has more goals than he has games played. And he was supposed to be out for the rest of the calendar year with an injury. He came back. He scored against Bayern Munich, a banger. And he scored it on it with his weak foot, too. I think that should be mentioned. He scored it with his weak foot. He's quality. And it just it just feels like Borussia Dortmund is too small of a club for, for Erling Holland. Also, one last thing, one more thing that I that I watched, and I'm still watching. This that well that what I watched this weekend and what I watched what I'm watching this week, Ted Lasso. 
Shout out to Chris. Shout out to you, my friend, for uh, for for putting me on and and for giving me the the <laughs> the the login stuff. I've listen, listen, Chris, listen. I like every Mexican was late to the party. We're always late to parties, right? I was late to the Ted Lasso party. I love this series. It is incredible, Chris. Everything you said about Ted Lasso, the series. You were right, and I appreciate you putting me on, and I was putting it to the side a little bit. You know why? Because I knew I was going to get hooked, and I don't like getting hooked on TV shows. I don't like getting hooked on TV shows. I'm not much of a TV guy. I watch TV for games and for sports. I don't watch TV shows, but Ted Lasso and a a couple other shows maybe on Netflix have caught my attention. I, I love it. That, that, that kid, that, that character, Sam, he reminds me a lot of Anzu Fati. I love him. I absolutely yeah. love him. Just, I feel like the, maybe they're a bit soft-spoken. They have a similar look. It's it's awesome. I love it. Uh, Ted Lasso also referenced the Allen Iverson practice speech. I mean, what a gem. What a gem that is. Chris, again, uh, I, I thanked you before and now i'm thanking you here in front of our audience because this is incredible i'm on season one still i have a couple more episodes to go but i'll be watching season two it's beautiful i love it season three i i don't know if they're gonna make it i don't i don't know if they season are. two oh they are mm-hmm. thank god thank god wow this is incredible <laughs> anything you want to add about ted lasso <laughs> Uh no nah, man, it's 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 exactly what you said. It's 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 a great show. It's just I I know if, if anyone's listening to this, you love the game, you love soccer, you love football. That 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 show blends all that with with while reminding us that we should still be kind to one another. So I thought, yeah, that would be this this is great content. And anyone who I know who's watched it has said the same. Honestly, I don't know anyone who's watching and said, this is a bad show and this is boring. I've had people who don't watch football or soccer walk by and then just sit there and get hooked. So that, that's all. I, I, I knew that it, it's, a, it's an unbelievable show and the world needs a little more kindness these days. So anyone who's, who's listening, please go watch that show. It'll do, it'll do you some wonders. Oh, for sure. For for sure, we need to spread that Ted Lasso positivity. All right, we're going to take a short break. When we return, we're going to talk about the bottle on the or Yes, a week after, we're going to talk about it, but not necessarily about the winners and the losers. We have, we're going to add our little, just a little bit of our touch to the bottle on the or conversation. We'll be right back. All right, and we are back. Chris Sued. Alex Perez here. Welcome back to TFC. Let's talk about the Ballon d'Or because there was a lot of controversy this past or last week when Lionel Messi won his seventh Ballon d'Or. And it just felt like a lot of people were not very content, not very happy with the outcome of this award. Is there any way to really improve the Ballon d'Or, Chris, let's start it off as broad as possible because it seems like every year no one is ever happy. And sure, it's impossible to make everyone happy, but 
is is there any way that we can maybe improve it make it a little better i i personally i i think so i think there, there has to be some transparency um and i know that's a little tough you, you look at other leagues like for example uh the nba or the mlb what what constitutes you know the equivalent to, to the Ballon d'Or would be the MVP, right? No, of course. So so what constitutes the MVP? I guess that that changes depending on who you ask, right? Is it who who was the best player on the best team? Is it who was the most valuable player? Is it who was the best player? There's a, a lot of I guess that 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 question really gets really foggy. And and that's why we see all the disparity depending uh, regarding who who we think should win, who the who makes up the top five. So I think there really needs to be some some transparency there. Um, by by FIFA and UEFA or France Football, whoever is the the people who are administrating this award, there's got to be certain criteria set as to what we're looking for, what we're grading. Because until that's established, I think it's very open. And my, my opinion on, on the award itself is that it's really become kind of like a popularity contest. Mm -hmm. and, and it's very, it's, it's amazing to see what has happened to, to this award. You know, it really used to be the pinnacle of the sport. And now it's, it, it's, it's almost a lot. It's almost a laughing stock, and I, and it sucks to to say that because Leo Messi doesn't deserve that. This we're probably we're talking about most likely the greatest player of all time, and I'm only saying most likely because I, I'm not trying to you know start a, a, a firestorm here, but <laughs> realistically, like come on, he's top three to everyone who's ever had eyes. He's an uh, he's an unbelievable player. He doesn't need this dirt on his name where we're saying that he doesn't deserve this. He deserves everything, all the awards that he gets, right? But this particular award, if you look at who had the best stats, he didn't have them. If you look at who was the best player on the best scene, it wasn't him. If you look at who had the best stats, it wasn't him. So no matter which way you, you, you slice it, I mean, yes, he's the best player. And I think that that's something that um, was brought to me on the day after he, the, the Balloon d'Or ceremony. There's a quote, it, it's, oh, it's years old. It's not from right now. It's from it's by Pep Guardiola. And he said, if you give the award to Messi, the Balloon d'Or to Messi, every year, every year, nobody would have a problem with it. This year, everybody had a problem with it. And I think that just goes to show, look, he's the best player right he's the best player on the world in the world right that's not what this award is because if every if that's what we're looking for every year it's cristiano or messi regardless of if they play three thousand games or three games if we're basing this award on who is the most talented player in the world every year this award goes to the same two guys I think that's what we started to get. Once we once it became a competition between the two, it became this competition of who's the best player in the world. And that's not what the award was all when I was growing up. 
it was very much like I was said before, it, it, it was very much like an MVP where all of these variables were considered, but it was considered on a year-to-year basis. You know, Ronaldinho didn't win the award because he was Ronaldinho. So I think that's where it's getting to now, where it's, it is becoming like a popularity contest. And a way to fix it has to be uh, transparency with what, what, who's voting and what they're voting towards. Because right now, uh, it seems like the writers themselves, the people who are voting for these awards themselves, don't even know. So, yeah, it's got to start there. It's got to start with, the organi- with France football itself reforming and, and being transparent as to what the criteria is for this award. It's it's hard to have a real criteria or to know what the criteria is when there is none. Right? There, there there's no criteria. What what is it? You can you go on on France football on their website and see what the criteria for the Ballon d'Or is? And if there is a criteria, is it clear? Is it specific? Is it something that we can we can take and generate a winner probably not probably not and and yeah the journalists which i mean there was one that was incredible brazilian journalist clever machado uh and this is probably the first and only time we're ever going to mention him here he voted kevin de bruyne Jorginho, kylian mbappe lukaku and neymar he didn't put messi in his top five, he in his top five. He didn't put Lewandowski in his top five. He didn't put Messi in there because his country beat uh, because Argentina beat Brazil in the Copa America final. That's why he didn't put him there. But just being as honest as possible, right? But then there are other journalists that put Messi and Lewandowski, and then there's other journalists that put Mbappe as the winners. O- others put Ronaldo. I mean, how? It it just it doesn't make any sense. And you mentioned something that applies to a lot of sports and a lot of leagues. You said that it it's almost as if we're giving this award to just the best player or the most talented player. In the NBA, you can give the MVP to LeBron James every year. In the NFL, you can give the MVP to Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes every year. Right? But... That's not what the MVP is about. That's not what the Ballon d'Or should be about. So now, Chris, I want to ask you, how how can we make the criteria a little more clear? I think I have a I have some clarity here. I have three points that I want to touch on just to make the Ballon d'Or better, to improve it. But there is one one spot in, in this, and it's actually my third point. Um, but first I want you to answer, then I'll, I'll, I'll give you my, my, my improvements to the ball in the world. There, there, there's this right here where you can definitely improve the criteria and it's actually not that complicated, but Chris, how, how can you, or how would you improve the criteria? How would you make it a little more clear? Uh, I, I think just setting, you know, setting I don't know if it's goals or targets or, or, you know, setting guidelines for, for what you're voting for, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or what you, what, what you're, 
what your voting counts for. Like, if somebody has Ronaldo number one, you have to explain why. Is it because he had the most, you know, you have to have, a, 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 I guess you got to give your reasons as to why you're making these picks or, 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 or some kind of logic or context to it. So I, I honestly, I don't know anything off the top of my head regarding, you know, maybe can it be, can it be goals? Can it be important? I mean, there's so many analytics now, so that they measure all of these things like important goals or, or chances created. So there's got to have, if it's going to be mathematics, show, show the mathematics. If it's going to be, hey, everyone, this is just, how do you feel in your heart? Then say so. So, so everybody understands, oh, everyone's just voting off of their feelings or their vibes. And this is why player X is going to get him and player Z isn't. Because right now, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Well, once you start involving feelings... That might be a little. Uh, that might get even more money. Yeah. No, right? I'm, I'm just yeah, exactly. But, but I'm just saying, right. make it, make it, make it clear. Make what yeah. what the what, what they're what we're doing here clear because right now it just isn't. Yeah, no, yeah, it's it's the complete opposite. No one knows what the hell is going on. But here, Chris, I I'm actually very excited to 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 show you my three step plan to improve the Ballon d'Or, and I hope this gets to France football's ears. Do you want to hear it? Yeah. Well, I was hoping you would say yes, because if you said no, then we would have to end the segment. All right. Here's Alex's three steps to make the Ballon d'Or better. The first one, make it a season award. Don't make it a year award. European leagues are played from August to May, not January through December. And this Ballon d'Or award is is, is given based on your performances from January to like October or November, whenever they, they stop the voting. How does that make sense? I have no idea. Point number two. I think we have to really figure out who is going to vote in this Ballon d'Or because, again, we go back to that dude, the Brazilian guy. Is he very credible when he's voting like this? It's not very credible. We we have journalists from uh, Mauritius, whatever that country is, and no disrespect to, to them, but I mean, how how credible can can they be? Or or people who we've never heard of. We have people like that voting. I know that there was a point, and I'm I, I'm not too sure if players vote on this, if or if the national team captains vote for for this, but. We just need more credible people voting for the Ballon d'Or. It needs to be people who know what they're talking about. It needs to be reputable people. Like in the NFL and the NBA. You need to be top of the food chain, elite, years in the game to vote for the MVP. Right? It it, it has to be someone that, that doesn't involve their feelings much and uses the cold hard facts to give their vote. And finally, number three, of course, we need a more clear criteria and, and that's something that we've been harping on something that we've been saying but how do we get more of a clear criteria this is how I, this is how I would approach it the first is how do you how did you perform throughout the season that's for the players how did you perform throughout the season how many games did you play how many minutes did you play how many goals did you score how many tackles did you make how many clean sheets 
did you have? How many assists did you have? Because I feel like if you just narrow it down to goals, you exclude midfielders, you exclude defenders, and yeah, they might not win the award, but we can include them, you know? We we can definitely include them in, in the short list and, and at least keep it keep it like that. I would also add, how successful was your team? How successful were they? How many trophies did they win? Well, that's how success is measured in football, right? How many trophies did you win? Uh, that That's kind of what it comes down to. How successful were you with your nation? Right? How how successful were you in, in a Euro? In a Copa America? In a World Cup? How successful were you in the summer? And of course, I feel like this is the most important thing. How impactful? Were you? Were, were you were you the guy scoring all the winners and playing playing all ninety minutes and stuff like that? I I think that 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 makes it a little more clear, kind of like funnels everything and 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 if you put it through that through that little machine through that process, you kind of come out with a Ballon d'Or winner. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's, there's a lot of good things to work with there. I, I really like the idea of making it a seasonal award. I think the reason why they don't want to do that is because they don't want to make gear it just towards clubs and, and, and take out the international because that's usually in in the winter and in the summer. So, it, But I, I agree with you. Why why not just have it in the middle of the summer then? Or have it in the, after the, the, the summer tournament. Have it in August. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this doesn't hurt anybody. Like, so I, I actually really like that idea. Um, the other thing that I was thinking was uh, that, that you did touch up on is um, really hammering down on who votes for this, right? Who, who, we, don't, we don't know who votes for this. Like you said, we don't know most of these journalists. I don't know if they're esteemed journalists. I don't know if, like, if I, make a, if we, if I write for a website totalfootball.com tomorrow and, may, and write an article, am I allowed to vote on this? Like, who, who, get, who, get, who gets the right to vote and why? We, we don't know that either. So, yeah, I, I really think ha- hammering down on that and making it, like you said, the elite of the elite, maybe even giving the players and the coaches from the top leagues or give, giving them a vote as well, since, you know, they, they've, they've been voting for their peers. I think that, that those votes go a long way. Um, I think I think a lot of it makes sense, and and I hope it. I hope they can do it because if not, you're gonna get really start seeing another award like the FIFA awards, another something else really start taking over regarding the prestigeness of this of this award and and it sucks man it, it it really does because it's a beautiful trophy it has a lot of uh a lot of history so it really would suck to uh for for something to to, to have to change you know for for that focus to have to change now but let, let me actually read you this quote uh i actually was was reading this and i thought to myself you know this sounds like the balloon door <laughs> but it's not. So let me let me read the quote. Like, 
I think we should stop. I'm going to change one word of the entire quote, and then and then I'm going to tell you who said it and what they were referring to. But it's exactly what I was thinking about when I was when I was thinking about the balloon door because it's it has really been a frustrating topic the last week or so. But let let me go off with the quote with the talk, with the with the quote. Mm-hmm. I think we should stop allowing ourselves to be shocked every year by the disconnect between impactful art and these awards. And just accept that what was once the highest form of recognition may longer matter to the artists that exist now and the ones who may come after. That was Drake talking about the Grammys. What? <laughs> now, okay. Yeah, that was Drake talking about the Grammys. And I thought to myself, it's a, it's a perfect parallel. The Grammys used to be this, this amazing award that everybody used to run to. And, and it was the pinnacle of, Hip hop, oh, the pinnacle of pop, the pinnacle of all music. Everybody used to, it was the biggest award show every year. Everybody couldn't miss it. And now they give the Grammys to the most recognizable song, the most popular song, not the best song, not the best album, not the best artist. And it goes hand in hand with what I feel like the Balloon d'Or is becoming now, where a lot of people who now used to look forward to this award and this ceremony no longer do. And it sucks for, that's what I was trying to say, it sucks for people like Leo Messi. Because now, what does the seven Balloon d'Or mean? What, what, what does that award mean if, if two of them weren't really, you, uh, you can say, weren't exactly validated, not earned, because he definitely earned them, but if, if the award itself was, isn't as prestigious anymore, what does seven balloon d'or mean? And that's not okay. You know, he doesn't deserve that. He is the greatest player we've ever seen. He's, if not, he's the top three player we've ever seen. And he deserves that recognition. So it's really, I, I hope Drake was saying that so that he, they can make another ceremony and eventually displace the Grammys. Mm-hmm. I hope that that's not the solution with the balloon d'or, that we don't have a FIFA award. Uh, ES on SB, something that just takes over because the Balloon d'Or does have the prestige and the recognition of centuries now that where everybody used to go, everybody flocks to, to France and, and goes to this gala, this spectacle. So please take it seriously. We do. We, we used, we, we, do, we did until very recently. And to hear somebody say the Balloon d'Or Sorry, I can't take it serious. I don't know how you can. To hear that, that's not all right. And that was that's that's I'm paraphrasing that from Ian Ian Dark, who, who is an unbelievable personality in this game. I, I I can't stress enough. This this is not acceptable and it's not okay. They really have to fix this award because it's it, the the players are suffering. It, it, no matter who you can sit here and say, Robert Lewandowski. Did he deserve a Balloon d'Or in his career? Of course he did. It's a travesty. He's not going to get one, right? It's, he's probably not going to have a, a year like he had last year. And if he didn't win it last year, he's not going to win it. Leo Messi, does he deserve at the end of his career for people to say, well, it's the Balloon d'Or. That, it's, a popular, it's a popularity contest. No, he's not better than so-and-so. No, he doesn't deserve that. So where I'm sitting now, I hope to God they can fix it. I hope they, they your, your points that you made were as logical and as sound as I've heard in years. 
So I hope if, if we can figure out from where we're sitting, I hope that the people that get paid millions of dollars for, for, for these duties, that they can figure it out. And it's, it's a shame. That is some of the best work you have ever done on this show, Chris. That's that was incredible. That was incredible. I I have goosebumps from just from hearing you make your points, and that, that that was absolutely incredible. And I think every every football fan, including me, of course, because I'm listening to you, I think uh, I I think we all agree. It's it's hard to disagree. It's hard to disagree, and it sucks that this award has become a popularity contest more than a, a ceremony to to recognize greatness in a season or in a year, whatever the case may be. It should be a season, not a year. But, man, you talk about the Grammys, you talk about the Ballon d'Or, hell, I'll even talk about the Oscars, probably the first and only time I'll ever talk about that shit on my show. But it's all the same thing nowadays. All of those are popularity contests. They are popularity contests now. And it it kind of talks about the society that we live in nowadays. Social media. Instant gratification. Of course, a Grammy, an Oscar, an Emmy, a Ballon d'Or isn't necessarily instant. But it does get the masses talking on social media, uh, but I'm I'm gonna be completely honest, and I honestly don't really care how this makes me look. But the moment that they reopened the voting for the 2013 Ballon d'Or after Cristiano Ronaldo took Portugal to the World Cup in that playoff against Sweden was the moment that I checked out from the Ballon d'Or. I'm like, oh, okay, so this is what it's about. All right, fair enough. Thank you for letting me know. I'm going to see myself out. That That is, and it wasn't because Cristiano Ronaldo won it, okay? I don't hate the guy, but come on. We all know why they did it. We all know why they reopened it. We all know, and that was the moment that I checked out. And yeah, of course, I, I still follow the buzz whenever the Ballon d'Or is being awarded. But it's not the same. And it does suck. It does suck to feel like that because there was such an aura to the Ballon d'Or. Now, yeah, it's like, oh, nice. It's like getting 10 million followers followers on Instagram for, for those people. It's like, oh, all right, well, you're more popular than I am, right? So, yeah, I mean... How about we create the total football awards? <laughs> We're about to do something that you didn't want to do. Displace the ball. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least we'll have open criteria. Well, yeah, we'll we'll use this. We'll add we'll we'll add some of your input and um and our trophy will be something I don't want to say cooler because there's very few things that are cooler than the Ballon d'Or trophy. But uh We'll figure it out. You know what? That's actually not a bad idea. We'll see. We'll see. We'll we'll, we'll see. This might be a great idea for a segment in a few months. Um, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Well, right? I when the balloon door should happen. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know what? Let's do it like mid-July. Nothing is happening. There we go. 
Wow. Yeah. Wow. We are having a show meeting during the show. This is what the Ballon d'Or <laughs> does. This is what the Ballon d'Or does. Listen, French football. Listen. Listen to us. Listen to the fans. Because this show is by the fans and for the fans. And those are the people that you should be listening to. But Yeah, we might have a microphone and we have a platform, but we're still fans. We're still fans, and I pride myself heavily. I, I, I'm not going to speak for you, Chris. You can add when, when, I'm, when I'm finished, but I do pride myself on being an educated fan, and I call it how I see it right down the middle. I try to keep my biases whenever I'm with my friends and I want to poke fun at them, but when I'm, when I'm doing this, I have a responsibility, and that is to speak my mind and to be as honest as I can be. I pride myself on being a knowledgeable fan. Chris, you're a very knowledgeable fan, and I'm sure you pride yourself on that too. I I am, but uh, my biases I, I can't turn them off, man. That's why I call <laughs> hey, I call Pochettino a loser. I don't regret it. He can stay at PSG and still a loser. <laughs> hey, speaking of that, I suggest you go. You, I suggest you go check the video on YouTube and see how that did. Uh, <laughs> that was funny, but is there anything else you want to add about the ball on the or before we, before we move on? Cause God knows that I'm about to get my mention nah. blown up. No, I'm done. We said enough. You, we have proper planning. We have open criteria. France football, take notes. Ooh, or don't and leave the idea to us. Um, <laughs> we'll make it work somehow, some way. All right. <laughs> Well, we're going to take another short break, one last one when we return. We're going to we're going to cause some chaos because we're going to give unpopular opinions football edition. This is going to be fun. Sparks will fly. We'll be right back. All right, Chris, let's finish this off with a bang and let's piss some people off. Unpopular opinions. It was your idea? And you teased it. I want you to go first. Let's hear it. So my the, my unpopular unpopular opinion is Chelsea's most important player for the 2021 and 2022 season is none other than remove the mask Kepa Arisabalaga. And the reason for that is of something that I think not a lot of people have in their heads right now but it's going to be very key. The month of January, right now, so before I even start, right now, you can say Edouard Mendy is one of the greatest goalkeepers in, in, in current form, right? Uh, I think everybody would have him in his top t- their top 10. He's won matches single-handedly for, for Chelsea. So how in the hell am I going to sit here and rationalize that Kepa Arisabalaga, the backup, is the most important player at the club for this year. How, how does that make any sense, right? He's barely even placed. In the month of January, Eduard Mendy is leaving Chelsea and going for the African Cup of Nations for his national team, Senegal, which he's a great source of pride. He's, he's definitely going, right? That's, that's a thousand percent. So you, you mentioned earlier, Chelsea are in a title race, right? It, 100%, which should finish top three. 
That's our expectation right now to this season. If Kepa Arisabalaga comes in for a month and a half and reverts back to his form under Frank Lampard, where he was letting in every shot, Chelsea are not finishing top three. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how talented we are. It doesn't matter how tight the defense is. Kepa Arisabalaga is the key to, this, to our success this year. If he comes in and we maintain the form we have with Edouard Mendy, which he has in his spot starts this year, that's why Thomas Suchel has, has, has done that. It's excellent man management. He's come in, Kepa has come in and had a, a shutout in the Champions League, and then he'll play him in the weekend when everybody expects Edouard Mendy to come in. And he'll have another shutout. And then right after the game, he goes, no controversy. Edouard Mendy is my number one, and he'll be out there in two days. And sure enough, there's been no controversies. But it's been little, little deposits by Tuchel, little deposits on the, the, mental, the mental side for Kepa. I, you know, I trust you. I believe in you. You still have a place on the team. Be ready. And Kepa's also little deposits, clean sheets, clean sheets, wins. You know, that, that's, I think there's a player there with Kepa. I don't think he's the 80 million pound keeper that Chelsea bought, but there's a player there. There's someone who can help the team. And if Kepa comes in and maintains the form, I'm not asking for, you know, six weeks of clean sheets. I don't, we don't. We can, we can win without a clean sheet, but maintain the form that we have. You know, don't, don't let in every goal. Get a couple of wins under our belts and maintain the, the momentum. We finish where we should, whether that's th- three, two, or one. We'll finish where we should. But if, if Kepa comes in and, he's, and he refers back to form, we're done. Being ready is such an important thing, right? Um, especially for for a player who isn't a starter, and especially for a goalkeeper because it's tricky. It's very tricky for goalkeepers. It's only one goalkeeper that that plays at a time, right? And if the goalkeeper isn't ready, the team's gonna feel it. Remember, uh, when was it? It was at the beginning of the title season for Liverpool when Allison got hurt. And Adrian was a starting goalkeeper. There, he he was playing okay, but then he would he he came back to play. He played against Atletico Madrid in that uh, round of sixteen tie in the Champions League, and he costed them the game. So yeah, for a goalkeeper, you have to be ready. But it's so tricky, so 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 tricky for for them to to be ready and for them to even believe that they have a spot in the team when a guy like Edward Mendy is just shutting down the shop and and not 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 giving any glimpses of hope for his backup, right? Same thing with like, you know, like if if you're the backup for a star quarterback in the NFL, you're not going to play much. You might just play like the last 2 minutes of a game just to kneel and finish it off, that's all, but for a goalkeeper, you don't even come in for that. But, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that month of January, and it looks like Thomas Tuchel has been preparing for January because having a goalkeeper. Listen, when you have a good goalkeeper, a great starting goalkeeper, no one talks about the position. But when you have a bad situation at goalkeeper, ev- that's all everyone talks about. That is all they talk about. So yeah, he's been preparing for January. That that's what it sounds like. That is, man. That that. I don't know if it's that unpopular now. That you explained it so <laughs> eloquently. That that's great, man. That and who better to do it than you? Number one Chelsea fan. I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Love it. Love it. All right. You set the bar pretty high. Um here's my unpopular opinion. Are you ready for this? Let's uh, hear it. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna piss a lot of people off, but look at the smile on my face. Here we go. Slatan Ibrahimovic is the most overrated player <laughs> of all time. Overrated. Incredibly overrated. I can't stand him. I I can't stand the people that talk about Slatan like if he was Maradona or Messi or Ronaldinho. He doesn't even belong at that table. He's the most overrated player I have ever seen in my life. And it's not even close. It is not even close. He talks such a big game for a guy that falls short every single time. Every single time that it is asked for him to show up in a big moment, in a crucial moment, he always falls short. Always. Sweden missed the 2014 World Cup. Slatan was at the helm. He was the captain. He was the leader. They missed out on that World Cup. Four years later, they qualify, they eliminate Italy, and they make it all the way to the quarterfinals of the World Cup. I know that run because they beat the shit out of Mexico 3-0 in that third group stage game. You know who wasn't playing? Slatan Ibrahimovic. They, they played in the Euros in 2016. Slatan was playing. They didn't make it out of the group. I don't think it's a coincidence. Look at this. Look at this. He left Inter in the 08-09 season. The following season, they win the treble. He leaves Barcelona in the 20... In the His last season was 09-2010. Barcelona wins the Champions League the following season. It's just, it's like teams get better when he leaves. Well, yeah, no shit. When you have such an egomaniac like Slatan Ibrahimovic, he's probably scared to to show up or to try something different in those big games because he doesn't want that image of super Slatan. I'm gonna score as many goals as as I can. Yeah, he wins the league in every wherever he goes. Or at least that's what he would do before because at Manchester, he didn't win one. Hell, in Galaxy, here in the MLS, such a a small league, he never fucking won it. He didn't win it. And this, this, this to me, this to me is the epitome of Slatan Ibrahimovic. His best goal was in a friendly. Congrats. Do it in a Champions League final. Oh, wait. You've never played one. 
I've been yeah. holding this in for like six years, dude. <laughs> All I can do is laugh. There's, so there's a, a good friend of mine. One, he listens to every episode. It's like, Wander, if, you, if you're listening, I love you, buddy. He, he's been on this train of the the de-hype, defraud Zlatan train for for years as well. And it's so crazy that that you had to get it off your chest. He he it's like this he feels the same way. It's like every time someone talks about how, how legendary this player is, it's like, oh my God, just stop. Like he he's he hasn't won the big one. He's never there when they need him to. He hasn't won and he hasn't scored in the final he hasn't done anything clutch for him to act and, and behave the way he does so it's so when you said it the most overrated player i all i could do is just erupt in laughter because you thought of your so boy <laughs> yeah that's so funny you're, you're it is an unpopular opinion but it's a popular unpopular opinion because boom people are starting to see the light and i think it it may have happened when he questioned LeBron James on his on his social on, on the ability to talk about social issues. That's what everybody was like, dude. Who are you? Like, who do you think you are? At least like, you're Zlatan, which is cool, but like, you you aren't that guy. <laughs> so I think that's when everybody started taking off the mask on, on Zlatan. So yeah, I mean. Don't get me wrong, he's an outstanding footballer, but he's not as good as he thinks he is. Boom. There you go. As a motorcycle just breezed by my house right now. <laughs> yes, he's not as good as he thinks he is. That is what it comes down to. He is not he's not that guy like the meme. You're not that guy. Right? He he's not. He's not. He's not. Listen, Messi, Ronaldo, always, always gonna show up. The younger guys, Mbappe, Holland, I trust them. Hell, I trust Antoine Griezmann to show up in a big moment way more than I trust Slatan Ibrahimovic. Way more. Way, way, way more. And I just, it, it really puts me off how he treats his teammates, how he treats other people, how, how he treats referees, and... Do you remember that th that play about a month ago when Cesar Espiliqueta was defending him in a set piece and he shouldered him behind his back? Like, if any other player does it, that's criminal. That's a red card. Slatan does it. Everyone laughs. Everyone thinks it's hilarious. That was ridiculous. I, that was a red card. That's Absolutely. a red card. That's I mean, a red card. His explanation after the match was was absolutely ridiculous. Yes. I couldn't, I couldn't believe what I was reading, honestly. Exactly. Like, coddling his teammates. Dude, he's the first one that, that, that fights his own teammates. But if someone else gets physical with his teammates, that gives him the right to, to, to elbow them in the back. Like, oh, just just disgusting. That was, that was, that was remarkable in a really bad way. Yeah, 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 for sure. And and the, the, you see, this is what Slatan is all about. He's not about the clutch goals. He's not about winning winning European titles or or winning with his national team. This is why they kept him off the national team in 2018 because of the problems that he was having with his teammates. They kept him. 
from the Euro in 2016 uh, and moving forward, they kept them off the team. And look at the performances that they've had. They might not be flashy teams or not, but they get very far, very deep in tournaments. They make deep runs. You know who he reminds me of now that you watch the show? He's like <laughs> he's like Jamie Tart, but another level up. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. It, it goes you, since we've seen that show. You can imagine what that what what being a teammate of somebody like that can be like. It's like yeah, it's just not as a as a coach, as a teammate, as even like the kit people around them probably hate him <laughs> and they can't they won't tell him that's his face but it's just it's got to really be unpleasant to be around somebody like that unless it's all a show which i've heard that as well i heard that he's not the guy that he that he says he is in front of like when the cameras aren't there but hard to believe yeah. that isn't it he, yeah if that's the case I he's can, a great actor yeah exactly it's like I hope that's the case. And even then, you're like phony as hell. So either way, you don't come out good. <laughs> he won't come out good in any way you slice it. But I really hope he's not as unpleasant as he seems. He looks like he's a real piece of work. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad we agree on Slatan Ibrahimovic right there. I am very glad. And your friend, can you tell me his name again, please? Wander. My guy. My guy. <laughs> My guy, DM me on Twitter. We'll get you on the show. Or or message Chris. We'll get you on the show, and we'll slander Slatan for like three hours. <laughs> There's plenty. There's plenty. Chris will probably be checked out like 20 minutes in. I got well, plenty. I'll just, be laughing. I'll just be laughing the whole time. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. We, we have, we're, we're adding some comedy to this. All right. Chris, anything else you want to add before we wrap up? Uh, not, not, not at this time, man. Just this weekend, Chelsea have two healthy midfielders. We got Ruben Loftus-Cheek, my pride and joy. And we got Saul, who is not that. So, oh my God. (laughs) Saul, I Uh, completely forgot Saul played for Chelsea. Yeah. And I'm not, and uh, I'm not kidding. That's what we have this week. So keep me in your prayers. I hope we, I hope we win, but. It's it's wild. <laughs> it's crazy. The Premier League, the beautiful Premier League. December is one of the, probably the most intense month of the season. Has to be right because of the amount of games. Uh, oh my goodness, so much, so much to watch this weekend. Uh, yeah, that'll do it from us. Another another episode in the books. We hope you enjoyed it. And Slatan fans, come at me. I dare you. <laughs> I dare you. I dare you. There's there's plenty, plenty of evidence that backs up my argument. That'll do it from us. Chris Sued from Queens, New York, joining me once again. Thank you so much, my friend. I appreciate you. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram at Alex Perez FC. You can follow him, Chris Sued, at Chris S-O-L-O-D-O-L-O underscore. Boom! There we go. Now, with the hot tag, dude. Thanks to you. That that I'm learning it because you say it every week. That's why. And I also write it down in, in my notes just in case. All right, you can follow us there. You can follow us uh, at Total Food Club. You'll see all the clips. You'll see some some more cool stuff 
yeah, that's it from us. Take care. Goodbye.